Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of season 4 of The Worst Idea of All Time. My name, Timbley, Wimbley, Timothy Bat. My name, Timbley, Wimbley, Guy Montgomery. And we're not together, but we're also not apart. Connected by the majesty of Facebook Call. The video mm. feed is on. The stakes have never been higher as I attempt to continue eye contact with Tim through the dodgy Australian internet connection and whatever Captain Zuckerberg throws our way. He's done an all right job. For all his malice and uh, malfeasance, the guy can make a VoIP client, can't he? I guess Abs- when you've got billions of dollars, you can hire some pretty good people. That's right. How intelligent is Mark Zuckerberg, really? Mm. It's the question, isn't it? Don't know. Is he smarter? I think he's just ruthless. Is he smarter than you or I? I'd say yes. Okay. Is he smarter than my dad? No. Is he he's smart- not smarter than either of our dads. He's not smarter if, than anyone's dad. Actually, if you or I had a child, would mm. we then? He's got a child himself. He does. Does that boost his intelligence? No, because when you're a young dad, you're not bright. You have to be over fifty to be a smart dad, eh? I reckon you've got to be over at least 40, but you get next level when you're 50, I reckon. Yeah. And then when do you start going back down? Hard to say. Depends how the old thinking box fears as the yeah. senior years start sailing in. Um, Absolutely. Generally, I'd say not till 70 does it start going down, hey, downhill. Well, that's a wide berth. You've afforded all men between 60 and 70. So if you're listening along... If you, our sole libertarian listener, is in this age bracket, enjoy it while you can, because before you know it, you're going to be on the precipice of mental decay. A feeling I'm not unfamiliar with. Tim, I didn't like today. Hey, how are you? Good to see you. No. Yeah, me, same and same. It was no good. I had quite a lonely day and an intensely lonely watch. Uh, Do you want to paint me a picture? 
It is Good Friday. I'm going to date the record because these are coming out pretty much in real time now. So I want everyone to know how close we are to um, when when they get released. Because we ran out of runway. Because we aren't the best planners in the world. No, as a result, cool. pretty much everyone in my flat has got awesome, cool plans. Um, my wife has gone to Gizzy, to oh. hang out with her dad and the beach. Um, nice. She's taken our two cool temporary flatmate house guests. Um, got another flatmate who's off to go to a national park with their partner, which rules. And so uh, old Timbley Wimbley is here with the doggo to watch Sex in the City, the movie. Is this a familiar feeling to you now? You resigned to this being your lifestyle? There's a difference between everyone being at work and everyone being out of town, eh? Oh, yeah. You can feel it. Yeah, you can really feel it. So, but do you, do you does this is this met with resistance from you now, or do you just do you, have you let have you let this into your life as a reality, which is what it is? It's, abs- it's totally part of my life. But you gotta you gotta check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, I fear for my mental health long term with this thing. It's just at the end of the day, do the math, folks. It's a lot of hours in the week. It's like. Five hours watching the movie alone every single week. And you know where I think part of the challenge comes from because it's like it is almost the illusion of not free time, but your your brain it's like until you let your brain fully absorb that what you're doing is self created work that is uh I think letting go is what I what I'm trying to practice today and what I sort of learned is like I, I can't stop thinking of the time spent with the movie as my time Mm-hmm. I just have to. I just have to say, come on in. I'll make space for you. I respect you. I'm sorry. I'm angry. Uh, I, I yeah. I guess like every every time I'm cry, you know, I'm going in so cross and like, no, this is my time, but it's not. It's the movie's time. And I guess you know, you you learn a little bit every day, don't you? If you if you keep your ears that's, open, you learn. Yeah, that's actually a really good, guy. I'm gonna try and adopt that in the same way that when you um came out the gates sort of half a dozen episodes ago and had a really good time i i you know i tried to enter in with that attitude i think this one is a bit more um within the viewer's control that Mm. sort of sense of resignment and just going you know what this is happening it's going to happen either way so you may as well just get into it get down with it um because the thing's going to happen regardless so you can have a good time or an okay time it's up to you yeah, well, you, I, yeah, I, I had to fit it in today. I had a, a busy day, so mm. I, um, I was running to and from the movie, so I ran oh, home to watch it at one point, and I watched an hour and fifteen minutes of it, and then I had to run away to do a show. I did the show, and then I ran home to finish it. And I guess that that little barrier probably made it slightly easier than it would have been if I watched it consecutively through, but it. it yeah, I guess I'm just trying to figure out how that made me feel. Like running away from sex in the city felt pretty I guess it yeah, pretty good to be honest. I'll bet. I I'd never really done that before where I just sort of physically been able to just say no and just like literally try and get it out of my system by running as fast as I physically could. Yeah. And you it go- does Gals, I'm out of here. Stop everything. I'm yeah, leaving. it does. It does release some endorphins, not mm. for nothing. 
But did you not, were you not struck with the feeling as well that you were only halfway of going, oh, yeah. as good as this might feel, I'm back yeah, some point no, later today. It was, there was a homework feel to it, but I was like, if I, if I just get, get through to here, it was like after she'd hired St. Louise, I think is when I said, that was my benchmark and I said, okay, that's enough for now. Uh, it almost felt disciplined, I guess. I mean, ideally you do watch it all at once, but. Yeah, there's there's really something to this whole uh, don't fight it. Okay. All right, I'll try that. Speaking of Louise, hey, can I tell you something? Didn't care for her choice of acting this this outing. Oh, wow. That's interesting because I I, I really had a good time with her. I thought she was phoning it in, especially at the start when we first made her. I was like, man, no good. What was doing this to you? It was the read, I think, of the the dialogue that she's got. We didn't talk about, uh, or, or maybe we did. Did we talk about how long Carrie conducts interviews in a Starbucks for? No, we didn't. I was uh, I was going to talk about that at the live show, but I forgot. Um, yeah, let's get into that because it is wild. She's just commandeered a Starbucks in New York City as her office America has an interesting relation to Starbucks I mean it's probably slightly more elevated now that the world is more political and Howard Schultz has sort of gone out on a limb and started saying things but if you mm. divorce it from the man you know and especially if we think in 2008 there's a Starbucks in New Zealand is dirt New Zealanders look down their nose at Starbucks and they say uh, no better luck next time American chain coffee. We've got a lot of like independent roasteries and cafes where we like to put our money. But in America, Starbucks yeah. is regarded as like a reliable source of high quality coffee because Americans hate, they love consuming the liquid, but they hate the actual drink. They have no respect sure. for it. <laughs> yeah. I think you, you told me, like, you, you, you think that Americans treat coffee like it's not a renew, what do you, like, it's not a renewable energy source or something? Like, they just, they're that- all about volume. Yeah, or I or almost the inverse. They treat it like it's this limitless thing. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And it so often is literally served like that in diners and, and stuff yeah. and get bottomless um, cups of coffee. I, You know, I used to work <laughs> yeah. at a Starbucks in New Zealand. It blows my mind that they have any kind of a foothold here because we do take our coffee pretty seriously. It's... Uh... I, I, I think I did know you worked in a Starbucks, and I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you about that. But yeah, that, your articulation is right. The American's attitude to coffee is like there's no concentration on making sure anyone can enjoy it or it tastes good. It's more like just no. this full you know, nationwide panic that they're going to run out of it. And so they just keep oh, brewing yeah. more and more and more. And like, this tastes awful. And they go, stop asking questions. We need more. And it's just these huge vats, you know, across all of the capital cities in the 50 states that are just constantly being topped up with this, like, just above tepid temperature fucking bean juice. Just this brown, like, nothing taste. Like, it, it, you know, when you're drinking a cup of coffee in America, you are aware that it is a bean from soil. When you're drinking it elsewhere, you know, they've, done, they've elevated it slightly. But I guess a what I'm trying to mud. what I'm trying to get at is you know because uh, I, when I first saw it, Carrie's operating not just the length but she's operating her entire business out of a Starbucks. Like if I'm applying for a job listing from the internet or the newspaper to be a personal assistant, 
and I arrive, and there is a woman who has splayed herself across a coffee table in a Starbucks, visibly been there for five years. So the power dynamic has completely shifted. Like, I, you are not interviewing me. I'm fucking taking notes on you. <laughs> There's going to be some questions you didn't intend to ask in the job interview that you are taking as an interviewee that you're throwing that way, eh? It, yeah. Oh, my dog is trying to get in. He's bloody pouring at the door. Um, but, but yeah, you, you're gonna, you go, you're sorry. really going to be very curious about how much you're getting paid for that job when the uh, the interview is taking place and the stuff, especially like because there's no acknowledgement of it. It's just like, yeah, this is totally normal. I would yeah. actually kind of be okay with it if it was like, hey, our office is burnt down. This was kind of the smartest thing I could think to do. That would be interesting if Carrie just lied to qualify it because as soon as she hires someone, they go, oh, wow, so where were your offices? And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in this situation where you can either come clean and start your working relationship on a, a lie slash confessional, or you can double down and start building distrust from the outset. I think that's what you want. You want to get people uncomfortable, uneasy, not quite sure what jobs they're going to get thrown at them, but learn to not ask a lot of questions in weird situations. It's in keeping with Carrie's personality. Look, we don't really get to enjoy any of her actual writing in this film. And even if you do get to consume it, you know, you may not necessarily enjoy it. But from what I can tell, the way that she writes articles and books is the article that she's working on or the book she's working on is just all of the... Narr- narrative voiceover lines of dialogue strung together without the in- the context between. So, like her, that's what her editor first reads is just a series of disjointed first person statements and reflections on information that the reader does not have. Yeah, and you know the reason she's only published three books over fifteen years is you 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 just can't generate much quality if that's your if that's your style and she's really sticking to it yeah it's like the worst kind of beat poetry you're just reading it you're going i guess this is art because it's not good so therefore yeah, it's yeah. art i can't that, understand it that's is what it art is if you don't, if if something's not good but there is mm. you know a, a a dad between that sort of 50 to 70 year age bracket or you know anyone actually something's not good and someone says you know it's good what you're consuming is art. Yeah. Um, just to circle back briefly to the Starbucks used as an office thing, does it occur to you, Monty, that the fact that it's Louise who ends up being the successful applicant, which we have well established now, is just carry subconscious. Do you think in that montage where she's interviewing people, the very next bit of the conversation is, um, sorry, Carrie Bradshaw, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your work. I've followed you for so many years. Like, I love your column. But... um. Why the fuck are we in a Starbucks? What's going on here? And then it, the interview just sort of descends from there. And that's the reason why Louise gets it. Because I, no one else will even like I, consider taking this job under the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, look, after probably interviewing several real people, and this would not stick out too badly to the customers or the employees at Starbucks because they see this stuff every day. But they would have watched... <laughs> Man, those American Starbucks employees, they must see some shit, eh? They see People it all. roll again with a Chromebook and just spend, I don't know, 14 hours in there buying one cup of coffee. But they would, so they, you know, they would have seen a woman unsuccessfully interview up to, say, eight people for a job, all of them eventually walking out of the interview. Never her dismissing them. Always the person going, mm. okay, that's enough. 
And then to top it off, they would have seen her talk to herself, you know, as the concluding interview and hire herself and then pack up her stuff and leave. Not good. No. It's a shame they didn't have Instagram back then because that that could have been some great viral content. I mean, they should have whacked it in the movie just as that. That would have been a very interesting take on the film. It's kind of like going... Hey, you know the relentless pursuit of sort of either meaningless sexual relationships or harmful relationships and an absolute steadfast commitment to consumerism? Turns out sometimes it makes you go funny in the head. Here is a cautionary tale told through uh, a piece of pop culture celebrity, Carrie Bradshaw. That would Don't make do what Carrie does. That would make Mattress Pike a real sleeper agent who's created this thing. You know, this is this is now elevated to satire, and it went ev- yeah. it went it went over everyone's heads. This isn't you know the reunion of four beloved characters as we watch them gracefully age and spend time with them. You know, years after we thought we'd said goodbye. This is a full out, full on attack. Of you know the the current economic systems that you know help hold up the one percent, you know mm. consumerism, capitalism, uh, just you know uh, vapid super superficial life. Like this is, <laughs> you know, this is full on. This is big stuff we're dealing with. This, this is, is big boy shit. This is a different movie than I thought. You know, either of us thought we were watching, and I'd like to add to that by. Uh, I stumbled into what what could you know support the the positive or not that you need to prove a positive correlation between sex and city and sex and city two, but would certainly strengthen the bonds between the the narratives between the two films. Well, guy, as the only other person who's seen this movie thirty five times, I'd love to hear what you have to say. So Samantha arrives from Los Angeles, and now, in what we are now discovering is a classic, classic mattress pipe clip move, he diverts our attention from the story he's trying to tell. So she arrives, and you know the the consumer on the on the service level would watch this scene play out and think, "Ah, oh, they're exchanging weight jokes at the cost of Samantha for having put on one pound." You know that that's the that's the story that's being told. The real story. Miranda tries to deflect attention from noticing Samantha's gut by saying, there's a rat in your purse. The camera pans to the purse. We don't see a rat. We see the dog that she's adopted. The rat has moved too quickly for the camera or any of the characters to see. It is burrowed into the bottom of the purse, unknowns to anyone. It climbs into the anus of the dog, which is when the dog barks in the movie. It yelps twice, as though to say, help. It's it's now totally, you know, at the mercy and control of the rat. The dog is a mole working on behalf of Brady, who's programmed a rat. The first rat he figured out how to control. He's put okay. it in the purse. It's taken over yep. Samantha's dog. You know, it's like it is, it is gathering intelligence about what is happening in Los Angeles, what is happening in the world of adults that Brady only has access to through his parents. It's yeah. um, and it's it's there in plain sight. Only obviously you don't see. It's all, you know. It's the you've got to assume a certain amount of intelligence of your audience or of any viewer of any movie where it's like you can. There are things that take place that aren't visually represented on screen that the audience mm-hmm. infers happened. You know, it's classic storytelling. 
show don't tell but in this instance and this is one of those things a dog being puppeted by a rat inserting itself into its anus and sort of taking over it like a shell exactly and all, there is all of the evidence inside of the inside of the movie you know like we we hear the the notion of the rat being addressed and introduced we see the consequence of the rat's movements and behaviors like he's not even trying to hide it that hard You've only got to watch it 35 times before you figure out yeah. that the through line here is rats. The through line here is Brady. You know, we've It's got always to... been rats, hasn't it? This is the thing about sex in the city. It was rats from day one. Absolutely. Why else would you set a TV show in New York? God knows the city mm. doesn't have a lot else to offer. Um, I love this. I love that you've strengthened... Uh, the law around Brady the Rat King and I like that there is this is sort of turned into a, a it's a prequel <laughs> which seems silly but in our experience of the world it almost did go Sex and the City 2 first and everything else is just sort of an origin story to set up the big events that are happening then and uh, and the stuff that happens after Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Well, I mean, because what, what I, I was trying to remember after I noticed this, like Samantha's dog comes to the wedding, right? The big gay wedding. She, she said it was a big gay wedding. I figured, what's one more little bitch? You know, mm. Brady's also at the wedding, but he, he he doesn't get to get out and mix and mingle and like really, you know, hear what's being said. The dog is, does the dog go to the Middle East? 
Yeah. Does it? Yeah, because the... Don't... Wait. It's incredible to think we've forgotten this information. I guess it, we did. Isn't it? We didn't realise how important it was at the time. And that's on us. You know, guy... Because I was thinking back to the scene where Samantha spills all her condoms. I thought that was caused by the pooch, but it isn't. She just uh, there's all those no, nasty men who are giving her crap, and they yeah. pull out her handbag. No, I think I don't think the dog does go to the Middle East. That makes sense, though. I mean, yeah, I can't remember the dog being in the Middle East. I think, yeah, I don't think it's there. But it does, you know, it does create because we we do see at the end of the movie uh, Samantha and Dickbot embracing in New York City. So it does like it does mean that Dickbot and Brady are coming across each other, you know, not face to face, but certainly that there is a, a a connection between them. There's a line that can be drawn between them, still within Sex and the City too, which probably that sets up the third film very neatly. It's such a roundabout way of doing something to make a whole TV series to start making, you know, the way I see it, the first thing that he's, my mattress has really wanted to make in this franchise is the third movie. And he has had to fucking pay his dues, my man. Wow. So you think that right from the outset, um, when did the TV show start again? It was like 96 or something? I have a look. It was early. so about 96, he's been playing a very long game where he had to do, whatever, five, six seasons of television in two films just to make the story he wanted to tell. Absolutely. I wouldn't put it past him, man. When you've got a vision this big, you'll do anything it Did takes to implement it? it. 98 And not give the answer? Okay, 9098. Hey, um, I, th- I have a feeling we may have talked about this before, but how did Sex and the City deal with 9-11? Do you know, I think that uh, comedian Liza Traeger has a joke about that because I'm pretty sure that Carrie did not... Addre- it's not addressed in the show at all, that the world just keeps turning. Wow. Because I think the gag is that she's the only journalist in <laughs> New York City who didn't write an article about September 11. At, right. at Glitter Cheese on social media, if you want to follow the hilarious Liza Traeger. Oh, go you. Um, hey, can I just say as well, I was going to, I forgot to say this um, before at the start. Sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting fucking messages intruding on my conversation with you guys that are popping up on my phone. It's really, it's my fault ultimately, and I should do that acceptance thing, except uh, I've made that classic Timbo era of not um, eating since breakfast as well, and it's, it's oh. past dinner time. Yeah, so we're up against it. Um, so do, do you know, I actually normal all, things are infuriating me. I've also forgot to eat, but uh, Alice Sneddon of Bonus of the Heart fame very kindly and generously prepared me eggs while I was watching the movie because she said she couldn't handle how sad I looked. Wow, isn't that She's nice? She's so maternal, isn't she? She really is. I was, um, I was flattered and also sad at how sad to think how sad I'm. I must have looked. By the way, I've, yeah. I've just been joined in my bedroom by star of stage and screen Chris Parker, who's dressing himself oh. as he prepares to go out for for the show. Chris, Another little Empire podcaster of the male gaze fame. That's right, Chris. Just. While you're getting dressed here, do you have any stray thoughts? Remembering that you can't hear Tim, but Tim can hear you about Sex and City, because you've sort of been around it. 
either about the movie or about watching me uh, subject myself to this? Well, I sort of always catch you at the same point of the movie, which is when famously Sarah Jessica Parker goes brunette um, and she's having that dinner party with um, Miranda. They have that big fight and it's just such an awful scene to hear over and over and over again. I can't believe people witnessing women do that to each other on like a weekly basis. You also have gone full insane today. You had your your AirPods in my rechargeable case and I was like, this is my case. Whose AirPods are in here? And you're like, I don't know. Mine are here opened your rechargeable case that had no AirPods in it and you were like, see, mine are here. <laughs> and I was like, cool, you've gone full insane. <laughs> He's lost his mind. Yeah, it's a true story. That's your weather report Chris Parker. Yeah, and that was what Chris. What a fucking brilliant update. Thanks, Chris. God, that's good. Um, Chris was watching the majority of the movie with us the other day as well, which you may have uh, forgotten guy already. In the apartment, he got a bit of splash damage from us watching it. Yeah, uh, the people in my house have. And to be honest, yeah. as someone who is usually unrelentingly upbeat, uh, <laughs> and this is observed by the people with whom I live, uh, their reaction and behavior towards me when I'm watching the movie is one of the most powerful tells as to the psychological impact it is taking. Because mm. uh, they treat me as a different person who requires... Like so much coddling and sympathy, which is very, you know, it's very generous and a very uh, a beautiful, you know, as a friend, it's a beautiful thing to experience. But sure, if you divorce, you think, if you divorce it from that context and just think about what they must be watching, becomes mm. quite harrowing. Do you think it's needed, or do you think they're overreacting? Uh, oh, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I'm. You, gra- can I give my opinion? Yeah. I think it's needed. Oh. I, I think you need it. I really do. Truly? Yep. Absolutely. That, I think it's a necessity. Is that from your own observations as well? This is from my heart to your ears. This is from what I've seen. Um, that felt like it was going to be a list, but it's it's not. It's from what I've seen. Oh, man. But this is... This is related to, uh, I'll just mention this briefly, the point I was going to make earlier is that I got quite a lot of uh, messages and there were some comments online from people who come to the Melbourne show who were um, genuinely (laughs) worried uh, for both of us, but for me in particular, because I did have a slight breakdown on stage um, about the project, which periodically happens. I reckon that happens sort of two, three times a season, doesn't it, on average? Doesn't usually happen at the live shows. No, but the, li- the live show really drove something home, I thought. Uh, in what way? Well, in the same way I, I sort of tried to articulate at the actual show, but just like the the value of this experiment in podcast now is it's no longer, to me, associated with joy. You know, the the only remaining value in what we're doing is seeing the depths that we can, you know, uh, plunge to. And so yeah. trying to articulate that and, and, you know, turn that into a positive live experience is a, it's a, you know, it's, it's confounding. It's, it, it requires problem solving because they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not two things that usually go hand in hand. That's right. That's right. I'm scared that in the trajectory of this podcast, what's happened is it started off as a comedy podcast and now it isn't. Now it's just like a... um a bad science experiment that you sort of 
you, you're seeing the raw data for. Whereas yeah. all you really need is a summary. You need a conclusion that someone's drawn for the report. Um, but what you've wound up with is is just all the oh, all the data. I have a friend who listens. They they deliberately listen uh, out of order, and huh. that sort of just as a like an idle curiosity they have. It's just sort of intermittent intermittent psychological check ins. Oh wow! And they say How's that gone they say them? they say it's great fun. That's and I can cool. see how that. I how can see. Out of, how out of order are we talking? Do they really bounce around? Like yeah, like go, not within a like with, bounce around within season to season. Mm. Oh, well, this is a fun idea if you want to spice up your worst idea experience. Absolutely. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How is it that Louise says who's John at jjpny.com and yet? It takes her like several hours to remember that that happened later on in the film. When uh, when when Charlotte has the baby and she sees Harry and Harry's like he's been writing you, and like at no fucking point does she put two and two together and remember that moment with Louise. No, is that but, not kind of wild? Uh well, no, we have to remember that Louise is Carrie acting in her own best interest to protect herself. So I, I think that... <laughs> True. Oh, yeah, I forgot. When Momentarily. When uh, Carrie, as Louise, does create that folder and just diverts all of that, you know, mail to there, yeah. uh, in a self-protective move, Carrie sort of does isolate herself from that information so that by the time she does rediscover it months on, it is a genuine surprise. Fair enough. Can I ask you another question? Of course. Do you remember that bit in the movie where uh, Charlotte says to Miranda about Steve, you really can't forgive him? I think it's at Fashion Week. And Miranda says, are you suggesting something? (laughs) Because I haven't brought this up before, but that is the craziest two lines to butt together. You really can't forgive him. Are you suggesting something? Okay. Yeah, I am. I said it explicitly. I am suggesting that you forgive Steve, you moron. Open uh, your ears. I'm your friend. I've been souring on Miranda recently, and uh-huh. I in in hearing this, you're right. It is it is an it's a very bizarre thing to say. And in some way it suggests to me that and I don't know how, perhaps Miranda is along for the ride with us. Perhaps we're living in Miranda's groundhog day. And, you know, the times that she throws out lines like that, they're just, you know, combo breakers. They're disruptors to try and, right. you know, jolt a different reaction, have a different experience. Because she also does it, and this one also drives me crazy when, uh, you know, they're saying how they can't say sex in front of uh, Lily. Lily, yeah. Because, you know, she's parroting what everyone says. Mm. And Miranda says, she doesn't know what it means. I'm 41 and I don't know what sex means. I don't know if that's meant to be quippy, but it drives me insane because we've yeah. we've seen Miranda it, having pretty good sex. Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, we see it twice, don't we? Well, I don't know if you call sex with a t-shirt on good sex. The second time we see her have sex is undeniably good. Um, there's no getting around it. They've made it as visible for you to 
uh, have that takeaway as possible. But I think what she's inferring is this, the more sort of emotional component of sex. Um, yeah, but do you... Do and you, that's why it's quippy and stupid. Do you think it's possible that Miranda is uh, breaking down? Miranda's trapped oh, alongside you, us? So what do you... Oh, okay. So she... <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, so we're, uh, we're I'm not starting... 100 sure I understand the mechanics of this. So you think Miranda has joined us in the journey? Yeah, I think I think Miranda is alongside us now, and that her is she one of the frosty fellas? Is, yeah. is Miranda the honorary fourth frosty fella? Of course, the third being uh, Brochet the knife. All of the, all of yeah. So all of the other performances have been you know captured and edited. They were recorded once for, you know for time immemorial and Miranda is having to show up every time we watch the movie and perform it anew and oh. previously she's been the consummate professional she hasn't even winked at the camera she's gone through her paces and we've noticed maybe subtle deviations but more or less it's the same performance what I'm saying is that she's starting to break down she's trying to break out of the movie and she's looking at oh us my god that is very scary. <laughs> That's like a Black Mirror episode, man. It's like, you know when you're a kid and you think that there are people living inside the TV? Yeah. Because it's like, how else would this be happening? <laughs> exactly. It's like, only Miranda's the one living in there and everyone else is coming through just normally. <laughs> Absolutely. Scary. I don't like that. Um, can, I, can I ask you for a shining light, Monty? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I did not take record of one, so I'm really going to be Oof. scrambling here. You want uh, me to buy you some time? No, nah, it's the confidence with which Miranda selects candies on Halloween. She mm. just fucking scoops them up and chucks them in her, in her uh, what is she carrying? A basket. Basket. That's what you carry. If you don't have a trolley, you've got a basket. She's just scooping up fucking Reese's pieces, having them in her basket. She does not care. You know, she's just like going, she's just getting through it. And uh, actually, you know, I'll be interested to see if she picks the same candy up next week because that could be a tell. And if she's listening to this, if I was her, I would pick different candy. So Miranda is not only sort of sentient within the construct of the movie and has joined the Frosty Fowlers, but she also potentially listens to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know about you, dude. I'm, st- I'm really, I was worried about you before and I've sided with the, your co-housemates who are trying to look after you, but I think it's going to take more than just eggs to bring Monty back. I'm, I'm right here with you, man. What's your shining light? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> it's the auction house. It comes early. It comes, it comes often. Every, they call every it, time. They call it the mailman because it always <laughs> delivers. <laughs> they call it Samantha Jones because it's the scene that always comes. It is the auction house. Because there's just so many people to look at. I saw a guy with a bow tie today who I think is sitting behind Carrie that yeah. I never noticed. There's a, a woman with a like a canary yellow feather boa sitting behind Samantha. You know, if you, if you keep your eyes peeled, you can actually also see Oddlaw, the villain from the Where's Wally or Waldo universe. Oh, wow. His name's Oddlaw. Is Oddlaw his name in the, uh, in the Where's Wally books we got in New Zealand? Because they renamed some of them, eh? Or like... 
Wally in particular. <laughs> Just he's Wally, but he remains Oddlaw, which is funny because Oddlaw is the you know it's 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 Waldo backwards, but it's obviously not Wally backwards. That'd be Law. Oh, true. It's okay because Oddlaw to me sounds like a almost some sort of spiritual being, but it's like he's a criminal as well. You know, yeah. like he's a shaman who's breaking the law. Well, yeah. If you, if you, for one goddamn second, could stop ogling that man in the bow tie and cast mm. your eyes a little wider, you'll see Oddlaw wandering around, swapping the keys in people's pockets. Why would you though? Because the guy in the bow tie is positively dishy. Yeah, he's, he's a got delight. Spectacles, very well put together. I like what I see, and what I'm I see he- is a delicious bow tie man. I'm not here to fight with you, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, fucking hell. People won't know this, but the call just disconnected earlier as well. So Zuckerberg's trying to shut us down. We, well, we're, I think we're, we're all getting, against it. I think we're getting a little too close to some pretty scary truths for a lot of people. I and know. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that people are trying to shut us down. They're trying to stop the conversation from happening. Ex- exactly, man. I put a photo up on Facebook today, and it terrified me that it could tag in who was in the photo instantly. Because there were people yeah. who were like side on, a side profile, and it was dark, and they were like, there's that guy. And I was like, fucking hell. Not good. Knowledge so it doesn't pe- su- surprise me at all that Zuckerberg has turned his artificial intelligence machine against us when we've come knocking on his door with the truth knowledge is power my man Mm. and the people they're trying to stop us tim i got nothing else to say about this watch what you got monty i got nothing else to say about this watch i want to say this i love you it's been nice talking to you yeah i love you too I'm going to make um, a delicious vegan curry for myself and no one else. I'm going to play with my dog and uh, hopefully get a good night's sleep. And then probably, I don't know, watch this movie again tomorrow or some shit. That seems to be the way of things now. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. Love you, brother. Okay, Monty. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. We just have a good rhythm together. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.